Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Tell your neighbor they look good in church and you can be seated. Even if you have to bend the truth a little bit. Open your Bible to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Verse 16. For God so loved the church. It's not what my Bible said. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, everybody say whosoever, whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You see, our Bible is very clear. God is so interested in the world that he gave the one thing that was most valuable to him. He gave his only begotten son, the only son that was born that does not have to be reborn, the only person that does not have to be born again. He gave his son, the Bible said, his only begotten because he loved the world. So today I want to talk briefly about the power of loving the world. And loving the world is seen uh, through several different avenues, but the best avenue to look at is how did Jesus do it? Jesus was the best and is the best at loving the world. As Bible also says that if he had a hundred people and 99 were in the kingdom of God already, that he would literally leave the 99 to try to go find the one that is lost. That's how serious he is about loving the world. That's why until Jesus comes back at New Heights Church, you're going to hear, if not every service, almost every single service, somebody is going to stand where I'm standing and say, it is our job to reach the world. It is our job to reach the lost. It is our job to share our testimony. It's our job to give somebody an invitation to church. It's our job to pray for somebody. It's our job to talk to somebody on the job site. It's our job to do it because God so loved the world that he gave his only son so for us we've got to get exceptionally good at doing what God does and God loves the world somebody say amen Amen. flip your bible over one page go to John chapter number four when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard Jesus made and baptized more disciples even though Jesus didn't baptize them but his disciples did verse three he left Judea and departed again into Galilee verse four and he must needs go through Samaria he must needs go through Samaria now geographically he did not have to go through Samaria the Jews at that time did not like to take a path that took them straight through Samaria they would weave over to the side they would follow the Jordan River and at that point they would get all the way up to Galilee because they didn't want anything to do with the Samarians Samaritans the 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 Jews and the Samaritans were constantly at odds It was a very strict racial divide. And where there is a racial divide, here's what Jesus said. I have to get right in the middle of it. I've got to go through 
Samaria. I have to make sure because I'm not going to leave this planet and have you guys thinking that one group has it over the other group or some other group has it over. I must needs go to Samaria. The Bible says that he, he began to make his way there. But really, if we stop and think about it for just a minute, there's some places you've got to go through. You might not even like the job you have right now, but there's somebody there that needs you while you are there. See, you must go through some things. Sometimes you're the answer to people's prayer whether you want to be or not. Sometimes you're the answer to people's prayer whether you want to be or not. And some of the stuff that you go through, if we can start to, uh, if we can stop personalizing it so much as if the spotlight is on us and we can actually look at the kingdom and say, how can I be a benefit to the kingdom of God in the region, area, or, or situation I'm in right now? Now you can begin to understand why God sends you through some stuff. Somebody say amen. Amen. Jesus said, I have to go to Samaria. I have to go to Samaria because there are Samaritans there that think that I don't like them and I won't stand for that. There are Samaritans there that think that that Jews don't like them and I'm not going to have them thinking I'm like every other Jew. I'm not going to have them thinking that's the way it is. So the Bible says, I must, he must needs go through Samaria. Verse 5. Then he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat on the well because it was the sixth hour or noon. In other words, it was a day probably like yesterday here in the Brazos Valley where it was 972 degrees at 10 a.m. You know what I'm saying? So Jesus walks up to the well and he sits down by the well because it's so hot and he's just sitting there thinking, uh, uh, man, it's just so hot. Then a woman came, verse 7, of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said unto her, Give me a drink. Now, it's important that he asked her to give him a drink, and we're going to find out why he didn't just get a drink himself in just a minute. Uh, Verse 8, his disciples were gone away into the city to buy some food. So, in other words, Jesus sits down, and a lady comes up. It's noon. And and he says to her, he he says, can you get me something to drink? Now, the reason he has to ask her for something to drink is because there's two reasons. Number one, the disciples weren't there. And he didn't, he didn't have anything to reach down in the well with. So in those, in those days, when you were traveling, you had to really make plans. Nowadays, you don't hardly have to make any plans when it comes to traveling. Used to, if you guys remember 15 years ago, you had to have a map if you wanted to get from here to California. Now all you got to do is have a cell phone, praise the Lord. You can tell your cell phone, tell me how to get to California, and your cell phone will tell you how to get there. Within five years, we're probably going to be able to tell our car, drive me to California. It'll probably drive us there. But 10, 15 years ago, you had to have a map. I remember when I was growing up, we always did road trips and, and we would drive to Colorado. One time my parents took us to New York City and uh, uh, as soon as I said that, I thought of that old Pace Picani commercial. You remember that? New York City? <laughs> this is made in New York City. New York City. They took us to New York City, saw all the skyscrapers and whatnot. But we would drive and, and my mom had this Rand McNally Road Atlas. And, and you had to turn, you had one big picture, but then you had to turn state to state. And us boys, I'm one of three boys, we would love to look at that map and see where we are. But those days are over. You don't have to have that. All you have to do is have a cell phone with cell phone service and you can get anywhere just about on the planet with a cell phone nowadays. But in, in, in these days, 
In these days, you have to recognize it was a very uh, um, agricultural society. And it was very hand-to-mouth. So they didn't have running water. So every day they would have to go and gather their water. But if, but if you've ever worked outside before, if you've ever had, raise your hand if you've ever just worked outside in the heat. If you've ever worked outside in the heat, then you understand why you start early. Because it gets really, really hot really fast. If you've never worked outside, you think, why is everybody getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning? When you work outside, 5 o'clock in the morning is like a dream. You know what I'm saying? Instead of noontime. It was, 100, it was 95 degrees at 9 p.m. last night. The devil is a liar, praise the Lord. <laughs> but when you work outside, you want to get things done early, especially the stuff that's really hot. You want to get after and get done. So it wasn't commonplace to go gather your water at noon. This lady was coming at noon, I believe, and we have every indication to believe that she was by herself. I believe she was coming at noon because she didn't want to hear all the ridicule and all the judgment from everybody who gathered their water at the crack of dawn when you would think you would because it would be so hot. She was ashamed of her life. She was ashamed of what she'd done. Maybe she'd been judged every time. Maybe she was literally concerned for her safety because in those day and age, depending on what they believed you did, they might stone you on the spot. So she might have been completely concerned for her own safety. But Jesus sits down and says to her, he says, can you get me something to drink? Now, he didn't have a way to get down in the well because the disciples, they had gone to town to get some food and they probably had the rope and the container that they would have used whenever they went to a well. Whenever they came across a well or, a, or some kind of a container that they would use when they came across a clear creek. All these things would have had to been used in order to get water. So Jesus says, can you get me some water? And the scripture says, the scripture says, uh, can you get me some water? Can you, can you uh, get me something to drink? And the woman uh, of Samaria, the Samaritan woman says, how is it that you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan, for something to drink? And then the author, she stops talking and the author says, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. You see, the spirit of racism was alive then, just like it's alive now. No, don't, don't have lunch with them. Don't talk to them. Don't, don't be around them. Don't, don't do this. Don't, don't do that. Make sure. See, when you decide to let the spirit of racism become the standard or be okay, then all of a sudden you begin to step backward in the kingdom of God instead of stepping forward in the kingdom of God. Jesus said this, I must go through Samaria. I have to destroy. I will not sit idly by and watch this spirit, this stronghold, have a say in the region any longer. She says, why are you even talking to me? We're not supposed to talk to each other. And Jesus said to her, he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that said to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She said to him, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with. And the well is so deep. Where is this living water come from? Are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus said to her, he said, if you knew the gift of God, the Bible says that the gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is life eternal through Christ Jesus, through Jesus Christ. When you recognize the gift of God, now all of a sudden anything he has to pour out becomes an opportunity for you. 
But when you think you have to earn it all, now all of a sudden you start thinking, well, how can I earn the next level when Jesus is saying it's actually a gift? So you don't get saved on your own merit. Jesus looks at her. She says, why are you even talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. We're not even supposed to be talking. And Jesus said, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for water, and I would give you living water. She says, you don't even have a bucket. You don't even have a pail. You don't have any rope. How can you even say that? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Are you greater than those who've gone before? Are you greater than them? Are you great? That's the spirit of religion trying to act like they have something cornered. You see what I'm saying? When, when you think you have something cornered, that's when God's just going to say, okay, fine, you can keep that little bit and you can't have any more. The Bible says that she's looked at him and says, where would, you even, where would you even draw from? And the Bible says Jesus answered her and said to her, whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again, the well that I'm sitting on. But whoever drinks of the water that I give shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up. Somebody say springing up. Springing up into everlasting life. Jesus said, look, this water will leave you satisfied for a moment. But what I give you, you will not only be satisfied and never thirst again, but it will spring up out of you as well. You see, when you said yes to Jesus, it became an opportunity for you not just to be born again, not just to be washed in the blood, but for that living water to rise up and spring out of you to come to another place. So Jesus is for other people to come to that same place of salvation. But for us, what happens is Jesus saying, look, he goes, you have to understand everything else. It may satisfy you for a moment, but what I give you will satisfy forever. I have very good friends of mine that have been de- delivered from major drug addictions. One in particular said he was spending between two and $3,000 a week on an addiction. Somebody say, wow. wow. Two to $3,000 a week. And it was always for a temporary moment of satisfaction. A temporary fix, you might say. But now, since he's drank, since he's had a drink of living water, listen, he never touches that other stuff again, and he's living a life completely satisfied. When you get a taste of living water, all the temporary solutions and temporary satisfying factors now pale in comparison to the overwhelming strength and power of the living water that's not just designed to satisfy your thirst, it's also designed to spring up on the inside of you. So when that living water springs up, now all of a sudden everybody around you starts to change. Now all of a sudden your friends and your family start to change. And if they don't change, bless God, you change some of them, praise the Lord. Just because, they're, just because you have the same last name or the same bloodline, that does not mean you need to spend 23 hours out of the day together. Praise the Lord. If they're not a good influence on your children and your friends or your family and they're just ignoring uh, good wisdom and they're doing anything you have your children around, that's normal to your children. So if you want sin to be normal to your children, you keep your children around sin. I'm preaching so good in this library this morning. Praise the Lord. 
if you want sin to be normal, just keep your kids around sin. They'll think it's normal as all get out. But if you want sin to be strange, you do your best to live that life where that living water springs up on the inside of you and bless God, it begins to flow on other people. And when it flows on other people, they have the same opportunity. They can either drink it and be satisfied or they can set it to the shelf and they can decide to satisfy themselves on a temporary basis. But we're not going to sit there and risk the next generation by having what is not normal sin around them on a constant basis springs up on the inside of us that living water and all of a sudden uh, uh, now now I want to get you a picture of this the woman said to him she says sir give me this water that I thirst not neither come here to draw again now there's only one of two options this lady either has more faith than any other hero in our whole bible or she's being sarcastic I believe she's being sarcastic. She walks up with, she walks up and she's getting her water and she's coming up. She's got her pot. Maybe she's carrying it on her head. She's walking up. Jesus is sitting there and she walks up and, and Jesus goes, can you get me a drink of water? And she goes, you're a Jew, whatever. Get your own water. <laughs> Jesus said unto her, he goes, he goes, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for some water and I would get you some water and you would never thirst again because the water that I have is living water. And, and she's just like, with what? You don't even have a rope. You don't have a bucket. You don't have a cup. You have nothing. I don't, what living water? Where do you keep it? You got it in your pocket? Where's your living water, sir? I believe this lady is being sarcastic to the max. I believe she's being sarcastic not because she doesn't like Jesus. She doesn't even know Jesus yet. I believe she's being sarcastic because, listen to this, people who are hurt, hurt people. She is totally isolated from all of the social status. She's totally isolated. She's, she's at the well when nobody else is at the well. She's at the well at the worst time to be at the well. She's totally isolated. She's hurt and she's hiding behind sarcasm to try to keep from being hurt further. There's people in your life like that. And maybe that's even you today where you're hiding behind sarcasm. You're hiding behind constantly being the court gesture. You're hiding behind being a smart aleck all the time. You're hiding behind being mean all the time. And it's all because you just don't want to get hurt again. You've opened your heart too many times. And every time you open your heart, somebody stomped on it. So you just decided, I'm just going to go to the well when nobody else is at the well. And if anybody shows up, I'm going to be, I'm going to ridicule them so much that they'll quit talking to me. And before you know it, you find yourself exactly where you want to be. You're alone doing the things that you have to do, but doing none of the things that can take you to the next level. Because when you go get water, you're not just getting water because you're trying to satisfy the kingdom of God. You're getting water because you're just at a place where I just have to get me a little drink. I just need my fix satisfied. The scripture says that, 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 that uh, she says to him, she says, why don't you give me some of that water? Oh, and by the way, I probably wouldn't have to come to this well anymore. That sounds like some really amazing water. What is it, magic water? What do you bring it on a unicorn? How does the water get here? She doesn't believe he's got any water. She doesn't even like the fact that she's having the conversation right now. Let alone the fact that Jesus is offering her something that would satisfy every need that ever came into her life. Jesus said unto her, he goes, okay, 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 okay. And you could just picture Jesus doing this. 
You can picture Jesus doing it. Jesus sitting there, and he's probably sitting there looking at that water in that well going, if she didn't know it, I could actually snap my finger, and that water would come up here, land in the glass, and I'd take a drink because I'm, I'm God's son. But instead, she looks at him. He's, he looks at her. He says, I got an idea, smarty pants. Go get your husband. And she thinks, oh, okay. Just because I'm a lady, I got to be married. Just because I'm a lady, I got to have a man. And she, and she looks at him and she has no idea what's about to happen. She looks at him and she says, I actually, sir, I don't have a husband. And Jesus goes, that I can work with. It's the first time that she was truthful with him and began to give him access to her heart. Jesus can work, but Jesus works best when we're honest with him. In other words, if you got a problem, praise the Lord, you don't have to act like you got a problem with everybody around you, but don't act like you don't have a problem with him because the only thing that he won't help with is what we refuse to let go of. The scripture says that I can work. Jesus said, ha, ah, finally, you've said something that's true. Now that you've said something is true, verse 18, he goes, but I know you don't have a husband. You've actually had cinco husbands, praise the Lord. You've had five husbands and the guy you're with now is not your husband. Now, religion would have finished that statement. And because of this, you're not going to make it to heaven. But Jesus didn't mention any of that. He just said, you've had five. The guy you're with now is not him. And the lady just all of a sudden begins to open up and awaken and realizes what's happening here. She goes, I perceive that you are a prophet. In other words, when you're a prophet, people will know you don't have to tell them. The scripture says, Jesus said, you have, you have had five husbands and the one that you're with now is not your husband. And the woman said to her, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. In other words, I perceive that God has spoken something to you that you could not have known already. Uh, bump your neighbor and just look at him just right in the face and tell him God's not dead. Come on, tell your other neighbor God's not dead. This is real important. The reason this is important is because God will speak to you. He will speak to you. Somebody say, he'll speak to me. He will speak to you. You're going to be talking to somebody this week and God's going to drop a thought in your, in your spirit and you don't have to be like, thus saith the Lord God Almighty, I'm about to share with you what God said. Do you like blueberry snow cones? <laughs> you don't have to do that. But if God drops something in your spirit, you can say it. You can say, hey, man, I don't, I'm not trying to sound weird or anything, but what does it mean to you when, when I say Antarctica? And then all of a sudden that person might be like, oh, my God, my whole life I've loved Antarctica. Penguins, seals, killer whales, just praise the Lord. <laughs> and all of a sudden their heart begins to open. This is called a word of knowledge. Their heart begins to open because a word of knowledge comes to you which validates what you have said and validates what you are about to say. The reason that a word of knowledge is important is because when God tells you something, when God speaks to you like that, it's because he's wanting that person to hear what else you have to say and what he wants you to say is, I want to offer you some living water. 
I want to offer you some living water. I had a dream uh, Sunday night before the sun went down Tuesday evening after that dream. Two of those things happened almost verbatim in my dream. Almost verbatim. Y'all want to know what it was? I'm not telling. <laughs> the secret things belong to the Lord. I'll tell you what he, what, he, what he gives me liberty to tell you, but there's other things. You know, I'm a Christian too. You know what I'm saying? He'll speak to me. He'll speak to you. So when I have liberty to say things, I will. But what I'm telling you is the Spirit of the Lord yes. will make things known to you. Yes. Sometimes you just know that you know that you know that you know that you know. Other times it's like you've got to take a step of faith to say it. In the New Testament, almost, almost without exception, anytime we see the gifts of the Spirit in operation like that, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, prophecy, it's almost without exception edifying to the person, meaning it builds the person up, almost without exception. Almost without exception, it builds the person up. But Jesus says to her, he goes, look, I know that you're not married, and I'm still talking to you. I know that you're a Samaritan, and I'm still talking to you. I know that, that you don't like Jews based off of what everybody has said about Jews, but I'm still talking to you. I know Jews don't like you based off what all Jews have said about Samaritans. Have, have you ever heard the parable of the good Samaritan? I'll give it to you real quick. There's a guy, he's, he's, he's beaten, and he's, he's, he's on the side of the road, and he's left for dead, the Bible says. He's left for dead, and what happens is... Uh, uh, a priest walks by and ignores him, leaves him to bleed out. And then a Levite walks by, which is also kind of like a priest. He walks by and he ignores him, leaves him to bleed out. But then the Bible says a Samaritan man comes by and he doctors his wounds. And he took him to a hotel and he, he, he paid for his room. And he said, if he gave the guy some extra money, he said, if he needs anything, would you please supply it for him? And I'll come back and pay anything extra that he needed. The reason that's important when Jesus told that story is because Samaritans were not thought to be good people. Nowadays, we hear the word good Samaritan, we think, oh, that's somebody that does good. But in this day, all the Jews hated them. It was a spirit of deep-seated racism. A lot of it was founded in religious doctrine, but uh, uh, meaning the Samaritans, they said they didn't have to worship in Jerusalem, and the Jews said, we have to worship in Jerusalem. So there was this conflict constant. But what happened is, the Samaritan was the one that aided the other. In other words, Jesus said, look, I'm not just looking for somebody that has the right last name. I'm not looking for somebody that was born on the correct side of the tracks, whichever side that may be. I'm not looking for somebody that has the same uh, skin tone or that has exceptional hair like Pastor Brian. I'm not looking for somebody. I'm looking for the whosoevers I'm looking for the whosoevers anybody that'll call on the name of the Lord they'll be saved the Bible says the disciples show up and they're like Jesus what are you doing talking to her she's a Samaritan and Jesus is like I told you guys I had to come through here there's this deep seated stronghold don't you remember just, just last chapter? Now, he wasn't talking in chapters, but just last chapter, I told you guys, my daddy so loves the world, and Samaria happens to be in the world. It's on planet Earth. He said, I had to come through here. 
If not, how would she know that God loves her? How would y'all know that Jews are supposed to love Samaritans? The Bible says this. This lady had obviously been very hurt in her life. She'd had five husbands. Or she was a terrible cook. One of the two. We're not sure. (laughs) She had been hurt. Probably abused if I had to guess. She gets a drop of that living water. She goes back to town. She begins to tell everybody she can see. Now this is the people that she had tried to avoid by getting her water when nobody else was getting water. She goes back to town. She begins to say, you've got to see this man. Come see a man. She brings him to Jesus and Jesus begins to expound about the kingdom. Many people give their heart to Jesus from Samaria. In other words, this is like this. Those who are forgiven of much, they love much. If you don't think you've been forgiven of anything, you're arrogant. You think, oh, I belong here. But the minute you realize that he literally snatched you because you were hanging from a thread from an eternity without him, now all of a sudden you go, oh, thank you, Lord. The whosoever's have access if we will believe on the name of his son and when we do we don't just drink the living water it springs up out of us and we begin to offer it to everyone else this week I'm asking you to find somebody you don't know or you think would be the hardest person to win and if you don't want to have a conversation or the door doesn't open bless God put an invite card in their hand and let that thing just burn like fire On one side of it, it just said, Jesus really loves you. Is there a greater message we could offer? Jesus really loves you. I don't believe in all that stuff. Well, Jesus believes in you. Praise the Lord. I don't know about that. I'm just telling you, Jesus really loves you. But what about this? What about that? I'm not here for the whatabouts. I'm here for the whosoever's. I'm here for... The one fact that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he loved me enough to put my name in his book, give me opportunity to serve him, then I'm just going to believe the rest of his book that said the whosoever's, the ladies at the well, the Nicodemus in the midnight hour, the certain man at the pool of Bethesda, the woman with the issue of blood, old blind Bartimaeus, The man at the gate called beautiful. I'm just here to say, if he'll do it for them, I think he'll do it for anyone, a.k.a. the whosoevers. Stand to your feet, please. Please bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here today and you're not right with God, I don't want to end the service without giving you an opportunity to change that. Jesus came and said, the whosoever's. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you used to walk strong with God, but you've backslidden. Maybe you've never said yes to him. 
But either way, if you're not in relationship with him today, some say this. I heard it said recently, do you love Jesus? Yeah. Second question, do you serve him? It's one thing to love. It's another thing to serve. The whosoevers. This woman took the information, ran right back to town, and a revival broke out in Samaria where the disciples didn't even think Jesus belonged. And Jesus had to leave his hometown because he could do only a few miracles there because there was so much unbelief. Yet he went to Samaria where everybody said he shouldn't go. He went to the world and revival broke out. I'm believing God for a church filled with whosoevers where whole families get changed for all eternity. Ministers, preachers, missionaries, prophets come out of this house. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you and you're here today, you say, man, I I just feel far from God, Pastor. I'm not going to embarrass you. Nobody's looking around. But I do want to offer you that living water. If that's you and you say, man, I've never said yes to Jesus, but I want him to forgive my sins today and write my name in his book. When I count to three, lift your hand. Or if you would say it different, you say, I used to walk strong with him, but I'm backslidden. I'm like the prodigal son. And I just want to reestablish that relationship. I want to reconnect with him. If that's you and I count to three, lift your hand as well. One, two, three, lift your hands. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you very much. Come on, tall and bold, lift it high. The same way that I told you that the Spirit of the Lord will speak to you and quicken you, the Spirit of the Lord just spoke to me told me there's three people. Right now your arm feels heavy, but your heart is pricked. King James says pricked. It's like your heart is just touched right now. And I'm here to tell you for certain, you lift your hand, you do that small thing, you lift your hand, God's going to take all of that shame, all of that guilt, and he's going to wash it away white as snow. If that's you and you're one of those three, nobody's looking around, One, two, three, lift your hand. Thank you, thank you. There's one more. There you are. Thank you very much, thank you very much. Come on, if you lifted your hand or you wanted to lift your hand, pray this after me. Come on, church, help us pray. Say, oh God, I come to you now and I ask you to save me. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead. For my victory, I'm a Christian on my way to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Give God a big hand of praise. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.